Wait, 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 wait a second. You're telling me I flew all the way to Kentucky to get some of your fried chicken and, and the colonel isn't even working today? He really he did. What? I say he did. Is Mr. Sanders in? What's wrong with you? I say you he did. The colonel! Did you hear that? No, what was it? I don't know, ruffling in the bushes. <laughs> We're gonna die. Rustling? <laughs> ruffling in the bushes. It's a ruffled shirt. <laughs> I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> Did you ever see that episode of Seinfeld? I did, and hello, and welcome to our podcast. Hello. Um, oh, we're starting something new here on the podcast. Oh, but I'm stood. Yeah, don't worry. What's not new is our ability to just jump right into a topic, hit the ground running. Um, no, so we're going to start something a little new where we're going to bring each other either albums or artists, maybe even just songs. Who knows? Oh. And basically, be like, hey, listen to this. And then next week, the other person kind of gives their thoughts on it. Yeah. So it might be like a favorite album or sure. something that's just interesting mm-hmm. or funny. Yep. And we had a coin toss as far as who would bring an album first. And I realized you like you sent me a photo of the result of the coin toss. Yeah. Which I assumed was fair. You could have literally just put the coin. Yeah, like facing I tails. I didn't though. I flipped it. No, I, I know. It actually took me two takes because the first time I flipped it, I went to catch it and I hit the steering wheel and I missed it. <laughs> so then I had veered to... off the road. <laughs> I wasn't driving. There was a ruffling in the bushes. There was a ruffling in the bushes, and I had to get the coin from under the seat. Yep. And reflip it. So it okay. was a legitimate flip. Nice. And you won. I did win. Give me one second. Do 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 do. So what did you win? So I won the opportunity to bring something to talk about. And let me tell you, uh, not an easy decision. I imagine it to not be. Because I was uh, was racking my brain on what to talk about. And you've kind of boxed yourself in with your mic stand there. Didn't I? Yeah. Um, But I want some tea. So I didn't know. Bigelow tea. (laughs) Dr. Pepper Green. (laughs) I didn't know. Do I want to bring something like that? I that I really like. Yeah. You know, because then it's like, Mo, if he makes fun of it. Yeah, I will. Or like oh. something nostalgic, like, oh yeah, I remember this being good, and you're like, hey, tell me this is terrible. Yeah. Or like something funny. Yeah. Or whatever. So. We have different opinions on music a lot of times. Well, we and that's the other thing which is too. Nice. So, I am giving you this week. I decided to go with. An album that not only do I really like. Let me write this down. It was. Well, I can send it to you. Um, <laughs> wow. It was one of the albums that started to shape like how I like music in general. Okay. So that's a lot of pressure. The. And we haven't really gone over. Like what? Like is there grading criteria? Like are we? Just no. it's just uh, listen to it and tell me what you think, right? Yeah, I think we listen to it. Tell us, tell us what we think, and then we. I there don't it think is. We have to grade it. No, and not like a grading, like a rating system, but like whatever. We that's something people don't need to listen to how the sausage is made. <laughs> so, I am going mm. to give you all right five Iron Frenzies. Ooh, our newest album ever. Their 1998 sophomore release. Our newest album ever. Yep. Five Iron Frenzy. Yep. So that's so basically for those out there, Steven now has the next week 
uh, until we record again to listen to that. I and mean, we're both going to give it like the good, like full college try. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And no matter uh, how much I hate it, right from the gate, I'm listening to front to back. Yeah. Maybe multiple times. Yeah. To get a good, honest review on it. And then next week or next time we record, when we discuss our thoughts on that album, mm-hmm. you're going to bring one that's then my job to listen to and we're going to trade off type that's of correct. thing. That's correct. So it'll be fun. I decided to go with Five Iron um, for a few reasons. I'd like to know those reasons next time. Next time. I think I would like to go into it blind. Like, I don't want to know. The I think, one, though, oh, yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the uh, the only thing that I was going to say is one of the reasons why I picked them and I thought of them is because their debut was titled Upbeats and Beatdowns. No. Which was what got us thinking about when we were trying to come up with a name for the podcast. Which is backbeats and breakdowns and breakdowns i had said oh upbeats and, and beatdowns was the name of this album i really liked and you were like i love it and there goes a plane why is there a plane <laughs> so we're outside on my deck yeah for the first time ever and i was sitting here an hour before justin came over by myself and it was silent because i wanted to make sure that the auto audio quality was going to be good there was not going to be a lot of heavy background noise etc etc just an hour I'm out here I had dinner out here after I put the kids to bed and I'm sitting here getting things set up and it is beautiful quiet maybe a couple of little birds or animals or whatever in the woods whatever but no noise Justin gets here we come outside there's coyotes howling Mm -hmm. there's dirt bikes there's sirens there's dogs barking and it's nine o'clock at night too and there's like all of a sudden now I live by an airport and there's a low flying (laughs) aircraft <laughs> we we we've we've basically stumbled upon a sound effects factory which is nice which is but, called a foley stage oh in Hollywood. i didn't know that so foley is the type of audio that when you create sound effects specific to a scene huh so because there's stock sound effects that you can just use but a foley stage is they'll have the video playing and somebody like a fully recording artist will like actually step create on glass. exactly yeah or like have like shoes and like hit them on the type of tile that people are walking on like you basically create the sounds with the video that you're seeing that's wild so that's fully thank you for that you're welcome so anyways yeah our newest album ever yeah 1998 sophomore release now this can i find this on like apple music it's like, on spotify apple okay. music yep yep so i'm not gonna have to do good I'm not going to have to go to my local record store and buy like a record. No, store. I do have the CD though. I think you I want, want that. It. Yeah? You yeah, want it? I want to put that in my compact disc player. Do you have one? Of course I do. Yeah. My uh, my son's, he got, uh, one of his friends gave him, he's gotten into Avenged Sevenfold lately. Ooh. My son has, which is a nice segue there to our full topic. Oh, and real quick, these, uh, these kind of like album song reviews, I think we're going to release those as standalone little mini episodes yep so yeah so out, i think look out I think for those yeah i think we'll do because what was it was our plan and we can whatever was our plan to do like full episode main topic like this every other week now yep and then the little mini episodes in between those yeah the off weeks yep okay yep okay cool i think that'll work um but a so friend Avenged of his sevenfold yeah Avenged gave Avenged. him an Avenged sevenfold cd and then he bought one too we were at the mall and he went to whatever the 
Yeah, like we went recently? to a mall. Yeah, recently. And there's a record store there? Yeah. Oh, man. So the Emerald Square Mall in Attleboro is depressing. It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, However, gosh. Providence Place Mall is still pretty lively. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but he bought another CD, and I was like, well, you like don't have- For your entertainment? Yeah, FYE, yeah. <laughs> which we always called it something else. Um, and uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it's funny, because he's buying them at, just to kind of display them cool and it and it got me thinking like yeah because i've got some like records in the cases that i don't have a record player but i thought oh these would look cool like hanging on the wall or something y'all in here yeah for sure when you redo this yeah you got to do some although if you take the vinyl out because oh you're gonna finish it and insulate it'll be fine yeah that'd be cool but yeah i just i like that it was a little depressing where he was like i just want to display these like, dude i used to listen to these in but my i car. have uh i have my panasonic oh uh, disc man oh yeah well sony had the disc man but whatever the panasonic cd player was so yeah if you have a cd that you want me to listen to i also have means of listening this is gonna be great it's gonna be fun i'm excited i think it's a i think it's a little bit of a refresh that we needed yeah a different approach to things and while we're at it you know speaking of new approaches to things yeah hmm what's the new approach Oh, we each have a fact. Of yeah, we music do. history. <laughs> yeah, that's a new approach. Um, what were you going to say though? Because I definitely cut you off. I was going to say, <laughs> along with other things that are new. <laughs> along with other, I've already things cut that you off new, like three times tonight. What I was going to say was that um, on April eighteenth, oh. nineteen eighty-seven. Uh huh. Okay, Aretha Franklin had a, established a new record. For the lengthiest interval between number one hits, the long so the most amount of time between number one hits for a single artist. So I knew you were waiting for me, which is a duet with George Michael. Went, is that the nineteen eighty seven song? Yes, okay. went to number one. Nineteen years and ten months before. In June of 1967 is when Respect was at number one. Mm-hmm. So Aretha Franklin had Respect at number one in 1967. Then 19 years, 10 months later, I knew you were waiting for me. April 18th, 1987. Longest standing interval between number one hits by a single artist. Interesting. It was. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. It's weird to look back and see just how big of an influence Rodney Dangerfield was on Aretha Franklin. <laughs> just seeing who breaks first at the terrible that was, joke that was great oh i tell you <laughs> <laughs> a literal a literal staring contest that was awesome though i haven't done one of those since like fifth grade <laughs> oh that was so good okay speaking of april um that's my mother-in-law yeah talking about hello what about her hello probably not mother-in-law <laughs> no, so on on April 20th. Oh, that's my 23rd, brother's birthday. Your whose birthday? My brother's. It's my wife's birthday. Come on. Yeah. Happy birthday, David. And, and Kate. Kate. Yeah. And a bunch of other people. The one notable person that we don't need to talk about. Um, it, thanks for slurping that. Like what? Like what? <laughs> Um, We've been out of practice. We have. 
it's been too long um no so april 20th 2013 okay neil a mere 10 yeah mere 10 years ago Mm. neil diamond gave a surprise performance of sweet caroline do you know where Uh, probably at the red sox game at fenway park do you know the significance of it It was the first home game after the marath- after they caught the marathon bomber. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it was that big famous game. Actually, Nesson is running commercials now with uh, Big they, Poppy. These jerseys, they don't say Red Sox. They say Boston, right? Wow. You are just cont- – your impression game has not slipped. One of my favorite commercials of all time is when there's just some guy in, like, the Tokyo airport wearing a Boston Red Sox hat, and it's – all the all these like Japanese men running up to his bit. Oh, big poppy! It's a big poppy! <laughs> and then like somehow the guy's hat gets knocked off, and he and they're just like, "Oh, you're not big poppy!" Yeah, it's, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm it's just great. A, yeah, no. So Ortiz is the greatest. Yeah, he is. Um, Kate and I were at that game. Come on, dead serious. So you saw Neil Diamond perform surprise, surprise everybody. Yep, perform probably his worst song. It's and I have no idea why it's at the Red Sox because they also first of all he's a Yankees fan. Okay, but anyways, that's pretty cool that you were at the game though. It was, did they it win? Was, was it against they the did, Blue Jays? It was the, no, it was against the Kansas City Royals. Yep, um, they did win. It was a fantastic game. That's um, awesome. the The event ahead of time, they brought out tons of uh, the police, oh, yeah, local law enforcement. They just like lined the whole. Warning track. Yeah. Um, old Mumbles Menino was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Duvall. Duvall Patrick. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ortiz gave that speech. Yeah. Um, and he goes, this is our effing city. Mm-hmm. And we were like texting people that we knew and everything. And and um, they bleeped it on Nesson because of the delay sure and so we had people like posting on facebook like what did ortiz say and everything and i'm just like it's our fight <laughs> yeah oh that's fantastic oh it was great um it was so cold that day i imagine it to be um because it was like it was only like low 50s but it was a little breezy and it was an afternoon game yeah and so as the sun kind of kept moving you could see just like huge empty sections of the stadium. Like everybody was up on the right field roof deck. Yeah. Cause that's where the sun <laughs> that's was. And, so, and like everybody was like wearing like marathon gear and everything. Ah, so, um, but no, that was a really, really cool memory. And, and again, awesome. we had no idea we had got tickets, uh, cause Kate loves the Red Sox. And so every now and then we'll go in for her birthday to a Aww. game and we bought the tickets obviously before the, um, the bombing took place and we didn't know if we were going to have to get like a rain check or something because they were canceling games. Um, but it turned out like the day before or something or two days before they caught the guy, they're like, yep, we're going to go with the, that's awesome. gonna have the game. They ended up winning. It was a great, great night. That's so it was cool. a lot of fun. It was a cool memory. It was the first time that I've seen like, it's like, Oh, 2013 Neil Diamond does a, like a surprise song. And I was like, well, that's, I don't really care about Neil Diamond. Wait a minute. I was there. I was like, there. I saw it. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it was cool. So Sweet Caroline was first played at Fenway Park in 1997 after a Red Sox employee in charge of music at the park played the song as a tribute to a friend who had just given birth to a baby named Caroline. Look at this. We're so, giving so much trivia in one the night. The song caught on and has now been played before the bottom of the eighth inning. Ever since. 
I didn't realize it had been for that long. Me neither. That's a long time. I thought it was something that like they started for the years? quote pink hats. 25 years? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, so don't you have feel it. just better knowing that? Yeah, actually I do. Me too. A little yeah. bit. So next time you go and hear that horrific song, I don't like that song. No. Like, it's just not a great song. Um, but that's really cool that you got to experience. It that. was a lot of fun. I'm really glad. And happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday to my brother. Um, so what are we here to talk about today? Yeah. So Mr. Rashawn. Um, ooh, this is less of a good transition coming off of a story uh, talking about the marathon bombing. But um, oh. we had that was an accident. That wasn't. Anyways, um, mm. we had aspirations of recording a few weeks ago. We did. Um, we both dealt with various illnesses and just life, whatever, getting in the way. So we had to pause. However, a few weeks ago, um, in late March of 1997, Biggie Smalls's Life After Death album came out and it was released posthumously or posthumously, (laughs) um, after he was tragically shot and killed just a few weeks before the album was set to release. And so that was going to be my kind of music fact for that episode, yep. which then got us thinking about posthumous releases. Yeah. Um, we thought that it'd be an interesting topic to talk about. Another reason I said my son listening to Avenged Sevenfold is interesting is I guess their drummer died Oh. at some point and they had an album come out that he after. was on. Hmm. Um, I just happened to see that as I was researching this. Um, so I do, I have, I think that, I think the postmortem releases interesting because at that point it's, it, I think it's very obvious that artists don't, rec, don't own their recordings. Yep. Right. That's so a good point. Yeah. There's people involved that have deadlines and budgets and we're going to get this out. Um, and there's a surprising number of albums that have been released, yeah. good ones. Yeah. Like after somebody, after the main person passed away. So um, what I thought about going into, because you can just go online and look at a list and there's like, there's hundreds of yes, albums that have come out after somebody true. died. But I, I went through it as, um, I'm not personally counting like the Bee Gees had some release that came out like last year that was some like anthology thing and they're like, oh, well, it's after, you know, the Gibb brother died. It's like, it is. Yeah. But it's just, eh. Yeah. You know, it's not the same as like Biggie Smalls recorded Life After Death and then it literally was released after death, which... I found out more about that too. Okay, yeah, because that that's interesting. Because when you sent that to me, I was like, "Oh, I gotta." And I actually went in and listened to a lot of the album. Yep. Um, and I was curious, like the naming, everything, very coincidental with the naming, and then how it was released after he died. So and, the and naming is actually not coincidental. Okay. Because see this, I don't know. Yeah. So, shoot, I thought I had. So you said that the drummer from Avenged Sevenfold had died and they released an album after that. So similarly, um, the saxophone player for the Dave Matthews band died in 2008. 
Okay. In an ATV accident. Like they were all out in Colorado. They were oh, ATVing and he died. And then they released an album that they had already recorded with him on the majority of the tracks um, right afterwards. So, so yeah. So something like something like that. And first of all, let me let me preface this by saying I've gone on record multiple times saying that in general I think death is funny. Yeah. But there's there's also times when it's very obviously not, right? Like we talked about we've talked about suicide on this podcast yep. and stuff like that. So there's topics that just whatever, they're not funny. Um so if we make jokes during this conversation, um, don't don't write a letter. Like it's all in good fun. Where would they send the letter anyway? I don't know. Your brother. It's his birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Here's a letter. <laughs> Here's a letter. Um, My baby, she wrote me a letter. That guy's probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. So hello, doggy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we were outside. You already talked about that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Christopher Wallace, aka the Notorious B.I.G., uh, died on March 9th, nineteen ninety-seven, after being shot outside a club. Uh, the album came out sixteen days later. Now, Tupac, wa- who was shot the year before, um, in September of nineteen ninety-six, also had an album come out. Um, the Don Caluminati, the seven day theory. Mm. However, I don't think it's on the same level as Biggie's life after death. Why not? Because it was released by Suge Knight, who was the owner of, um, is he death row? Yep. Death row records. Death row yeah. Records, yep. Um, and it was, if anything, it was more of an EP that Tupac was kind of working on. But it's not like, like Life After Death was in the can. The album had been printed; it was yep. ready to be released, right? Gotcha. And I think what Suge did is kind of took some of Tupac's stuff and got something out. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? You also, it's really hard to find. Like I did a okay. I just realized I said it's really hard to find, and then I was going to say I did a cursory search, which those two things don't line up. But, like, you can't find the Illuminati on Spotify or anything. Gotcha. Okay. So, whereas Life After Death has got some of Biggie's, like, biggest songs on it. So, I think Tupac and Biggie are often in the conversation together because the murders happened so soon uh, or so close together. Interestingly, the the seven-day theory, Illuminati, was originally scheduled to be released in March of 97. Suge Knight moved the release date up to November of 96 because Tupac was shot in September. So okay. I just thought that was interesting that Life After Death and Illuminati were both supposed to come out in March of 97. Yeah. And they were both gunned down. And like still nobody has been charged with that felony. <laughs> so. Those felonies? With those felonies, and one thing I will say, I'm I'm going to be careful and not be Michael Scott and and have to go through sensitivity training, but quoting Chris Rock, um, 
if if you start looking up the number of albums that have been released after someone died, it's a lot of rappers on that list. Yes. A lot of rappers. Yeah. And so as Chris Rock famously said, if you want to get away with murder, put a bullet in their head and a demo tape in their pocket. Oh, yeah. I like <laughs> and it. the cops will be like, oh, he got a rapper. Like, we can't uh, find him. <laughs> where'd he go? I'm right here. Wow. Uh, so is this an album? Like, is this one? Do you, you know, obviously you brought the fact you like the album and you like the album? I do. I don't like it as much as the other apropos titled Ready to Die, his first okay. release. Um, I really like, I think Ready to Die, I like more of the songs on. Like, I like more of the non-hits. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready, ready to, to die. die. Um, so you said you had said that not a coincidence, like not coincidental. The name life and after I, death. I misremembered. That's another artist I want to talk about. Oh, okay, all right. So Sorry. yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they had planned on calling it life after death ahead of time or not. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yep. okay, very but good. But there is an artist where I do know that the album was not planned, and the original name was actually if they had released it would have been very not good. Mm. Um. So yeah, that's uh. Jimi Hendrix had an album mm-hmm. that the Cry of Love that was released because he died in. I mean, I could just look, but seventy two, seventy three. I don't know much about Hendrix. Okay. I know less than I feel like I should. I'll put it that, that way. That makes sense. Well, he's one of those that's like I think we talked about him a while back on like. I forget the episode that we were talking about. Um, one hit wonders. Oh, and, wasn't and I he, said, isn't, wasn't he technically he's on technically the one only hit had wonder one, list? One song chart in the top forty. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. yeah, which is which is crazy to me. But like, I do feel like I don't feel like this is a stupid statement. Like, I don't feel like Jimi Hendrix flies under the radar, but I do feel like for people like us who like music, but we're not like, I I don't feel like I know everything I need to know about Jimi Hendrix as well. So I'm agreeing with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but the cry of love. So he died September, 1970. Okay. And so, um, the next March, so March of 71, um, his label, um, released the cry of love which had a few songs like a lot of songs that he was working on when he died um and so that was pretty interesting he was part of the 27 club you ever heard of this no have you seen this have you heard of this 27 club so many clubs 27 members uh the 27 club is um there are a surprising number of performers that have died at the age of 27. Jimi Hendrix. I'm going to name a couple of these off the top of my head. I know Jimi Hendrix. I'm pretty sure Janis Joplin. Amy Winehouse. And I think Chris Farley. I could be wrong on Farley. Um, Oh, and Jim Morrison. So yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm looking at it now. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. Yep. Brian Jones. Oh yeah, Beach Boys, right? No, it was Brian. No, I'm thinking of Brian Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait a second. 
He's the one that died scuba diving. <laughs> or swimming. Cliff diving or something. <laughs> like died. Oh, so no, it was. It was scuba diving. He died, like, going to get something that he left off a boat. <laughs> um, golly gosh. Yeah, so there you go. Wow. Yeah, so not a club you want to be a member of. Well, luckily, neither of us are. Wow. Um Considering we're both over 27. But that was... I never heard of that. Yep. Amazing. Amy uh, Winehouse, Lioness, Hidden Treasures was the name of her album that released six months, less than six months after she died. Um, it featured unreleased songs and demos, including uh, her duet with Tony Bennett is on that uh, album. Mm-hmm. Hidden Treasures. I was wrong. Man, like, I don't know... I don't know if there was somebody that was more talented and had like such an incredible voice than Amy, like that just never reached her full potential given her tragic death. But she was phenomenal. She had a phenomenal voice. Yeah. I only know like a handful of her, her big songs. Yeah. Um, but I think I agree. I was wrong. Farley died at 33. Oh. But Anton Yelchin died mm. at 27. Oh. Who was in like the Star Trek movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new ones. Um, wow. He was kind of a surprise death. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So Amy, Amy Winehouse yep. also on the list of having a posthumous release. Yep. Um, the the Doors and Jim Morrison I didn't include because I'm I'm just not a big Doors fan. But they had like, I want to say like three albums come out. Are you more of a Windows guy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you make a better door than a window, even though you're a pain. That's something like a substitute teacher used to yell at us. Like if you were in the way. I like that. In a hallway or something. No, I mean, I get it. Yeah. But, but I like it. No, it's good. They came for the death talk. They're going to stay for the comedy. Whoo. Yep. Um... Yeah, the doors so you're not lunch. a big Doors fan. I'm not. So you didn't. Yeah, that's I li- fair. I, I like. It's possible they just don't really like Jim Morrison. What? Of course, that's possible. Yeah, it is possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. What else you got on that list? I got a bunch. Okay, I didn't know. Like, because you can say stuff. Oh, I can. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my uh, god. So Queen, Made in Heaven. Yep. Um, so that was released after Freddie Mercury died. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one wasn't, so that album was not done when he died. They had, they were working on it when he died. And then the rest of Queen without Freddie Mercury finished the album and released it. Mm. So it wasn't like a fully done album. I gotcha. When he died. Yep. Um, but it was released three years after, four years, excuse me, my apologies. Yeah, that one was a little while. I remember Four that. years after he died. Um, I think it's, uh, that reminds me of one other thing that I wanted to say about, about Biggie is he, they also had 1999, they released, um, uh, not uh, Bad Boy Records released uh, Born Again, which was um, which had a couple of hits. It had the song Notorious, which is the one. No, no, Notorious. Yeah. 
Um, that one's kind of big. And then also Dead Wrong with Eminem, which is a pretty good song. Um, and I, and then, um, and then a pretty big release six years later, he had his duets album, which they took. So Biggie had a ton of just verses and recordings that were never really put on any of his previous albums or some of them might've been like they would take a verse out of a song that was done for a soundtrack for a movie and then like remix it in to a new song. And then they had these other artists like Puffy and Eminem and all these people come in and basically rap with Biggie. But obviously he wasn't alive. Ah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that those and there's been quite a few albums like that where if you look throughout history they take pre like things that have already been recorded that weren't released yet even if it wasn't something that was specific to an album and it brought that back in like Michael Jackson had two albums come out posthumously and there was a lot of that it was like they had all these recordings of him just in the studio doing stuff so put an album let's just put an album and release together it yeah exactly Nirvana's MTV Unplugged mm-hmm. was released after Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain in an apartment. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and since then, they have um, Nirvana released a, a couple of things. Also, one called From the Muddy Banks of Wishka, one called With the Lights Out, and silver, the best of the box, and they released those, and it was kind of like B-side recordings and like deep tracks. It was basically the kind of stuff that like you had to really love Nirvana to like to these like things. that album. Yeah. yeah, but the MTV the Unplugged was very good. I love Unplugged. I love yeah. the MTV Unplugged stuff. Yep, and that um, yeah, that album was very good. Nirvana's Unplugged album, and it's almost kind of weird seeing like seeing the performance and knowing that like when you saw it, it was after he had died. So it was almost kind of like, it's one thing to hear yeah, someone from beyond you. the grave, you know what I mean? But to see him. Yeah. Um, a little different. So. So do you know, are you familiar with circles? Mac Miller's album? No. So this is, I I actually have heard of this some of the, oh. this album. So hey, how you doing? Here we go. Um, so Mac Miller died. Is it five years ago? Six years ago? It was relatively recent, or like 2010. Yeah. Um. And so his album Circles was released after he died, and I was reading some of the reviews on on it, and just like I. Well, I was reading some of the reviews and I listened to some of the album mm-hmm. and it was like the whole album is basically a story of his life before he was famous and after he was famous and how it changed mm-hmm. and how there's a lot of similarities in it and all, but it is like a friggin' emotional roller coaster, yeah. like of just... I, I think it's an awesome album. Of I have not listened to it all, um, but I yep. think it's from what I've listened to, it's it's awesome and it's it's rated pretty high in the posthumous album releases as far as success goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So speaking of successful 
uh, releases. Mm. Sublime, their self-titled album, Sublime, came out after frontman Bradley Noel uh, OD'd. Do you know that mm. Bradley OD'd? I didn't. Yeah. So uh, Sublime had three albums. Um, huh. Which was, I know this, uh, 40 Ounces to Freedom in 1992, mm-hmm. Robin the Hood in 94, and then Sublime in 96. Um, this is the one I was thinking of when I said, oh, the the title is interesting. So um, Bradley died in 1996, uh, just a, like a few months before the album was released, but they had recorded all of it. It was, it was ready to go type oh, of thing. Wow. Um, and the original name for the album was killing it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they, they just changed it to sublime. sublime and it was one of those things where, and this was something else that I thought was interesting about the types of posthumous releases that I wanted to talk about is like we had started, I'd, I'd mentioned how my son was getting into Avenged Sevenfold. The drummer died, but like Avenged Sevenfold is still touring. Right. You know, um, same with Dave Matthews. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. Saxophone oh yeah. player. But like the, I think that there's a handful of artists where when they die, the band is done. Yeah. Janis Joplin's not touring anymore. Right. Hmm. Um, but like sublime is definitely one of those Yeah. where now I know that they came back, um, the, um, Eric Wilson and, and bud go, I think is how you pronounce it. It's spelled G A U G H. I think it's pronounced go, um, mm-hmm. or maybe gaw, but they partnered up with Rome and now are still touring or I, I don't know if they're still touring, but they released an album or two called sublime with Rome. Oh, um, and they're fine. Like, if you like the Sublime type music. I do. It's good. But I think that that album, Sublime, yeah. in my opinion, is probably the most successful posthumous release. Because really? I think it's kind of the defining Sublime album. Okay. The hits include What I Got, uh-huh. both versions of it. Because there are two versions of that song, and they're both very good. Santeria, Wrong Way. Doing time, yeah. Summertime, all of them. Uh, April twenty ninth, nineteen ninety two, which is a great song. Nothing but the hits. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just a really. I think it's like I said. I'm sure that there are other albums that are more commercially successful. Sure. But I think when when I look at, like, I don't know if Life After Death defined Biggie. I think he was already Biggie. Yeah. In that came out. Yeah. And this is not to say like their previous albums, like 40 ounces to freedom is a good album. Sure. But I think they really hit with, no, but when you think sublime, you're thinking Santeria, you're thinking those, those, yeah, you're thinking what I got. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So that was one where I was like, Oh, and it's, that's probably one where, um, Oh man. Pawn shop is on that album. Such a good one. Caress me down, which is a song that, yeah. <laughs> Mucho gusto. Mamma Bradley. <laughs> What's the next line? I forget. So that's actually a song that Rome <laughs> refused to do because it was very personal to Bradley. 
like the oh, song and it? yeah, me gusta Brad Lee. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me gusta me reggae, me gusta punk rock. Yeah, hey, you know he likes what he likes. And I'll get in trouble with our Spanish listeners, but pero la cosa que me gusta más es panuchita. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, moving on. No, I think that was excellent. Don't Google that. I will. Um, so yeah, cool. It's sublime. Posthumous records. So and one oh, thing to note. One thing. There is a there's a Twitter or something out there. There's probably an Instagram too that's just called Does the Dog Die? And the whole thing is if mm. you're going to watch a movie, it will tell you if in the movie, if there's a dog, does the dog die? Because there's a lot of people that can't handle seeing a dog die. Die. Sure. Um which I think the like the John Wick the first John Wick movie is the funniest thing in the world. Oh my gosh. Because, spoiler, spoiler, the yeah. dog dies the dog and it's dies. just gut-wrenching. Yeah. And then he murders everybody and you're like, yeah, kill those people with their families yeah. and their lives. <laughs> those bastards. Oh, but the dog's helpless. Yeah. Um, the reason I bring that up is uh, Bradley, very famously, had a Dalmatian named Lou Dog. And so... Living with Louis Dog's the only way to stay sane. And like you Lou Dog used to or Lou used to like come out on stage with him, like oh. Dalmatian was everywhere. He went missing for like a month until someone returned him. Which is in the song I don't care if my dog runs away. Um, I don't get angry at the bills I have to pay. Yeah. So uh Bradley got Lou in uh ba 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 ba. 1990. So he got this puppy, Dalmatian. And then it's like, oh no, but his owner died in like 96. So what happened? The band's manager, Miguel, adopted Lou, who died peacefully of old age in 2001. Lou. Yeah. So the dog was okay. The dog dies, but like the right way. Yeah. It's not like, because when when, um, I forget which band member found uh, Noel, um, but like Lou was just like like curled up next to him, and it's actually a really sad story. Like found him in bed. I guess they were out partying the night before, and he like missed some like call for either a show or like a rehearsal or something. And uh, yeah, so that was really sad. But the the dog was okay, so that should make you feel better. It makes you feel so good. <laughs> I really enjoy talking about death with you. <laughs> It's so fun. Um, gosh. Well, like, what is he going to do about it? Like, you have to talk about it. Death? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens. It does. No, and, and, and listen, had it not happened to a lot of these people that we've talked about tonight, we'd probably have more albums from them. <laughs> so, you know, win-win. So, there's that. <laughs> because because Aaron Carter died November 7, 2022. He did? This was shocking to me. Do you remember Aaron Carter? Yeah, with the hair? Yeah. He died? The blonde kid. Yeah. I remember Justin he, Bieber. Yeah, he was like Bieber before Bieber. I think after Bieber. No, was he? If if he died last year, yeah. You said 2022 he died. Right, but Bieber's not dead. He died young. Aaron Carter. Yes. I think Aaron Carter came out before... <laughs> Bieber. He did? I'm pretty sure. You're probably right. And I think 
because he was another one of those like he was in that late '90s era of like Hanson and um, oh, you're right of like the little kid pop star. You're right. So Aaron Carter came out to middling success, and then I think Bieber was the one where they were like these creepy record execs that were like, "Yeah, get me, get the get more teenage boys until one of them's a hit." Like Bieber came in and they're like, "Ah, we got the one, right?" They did. But apparently Aaron Carter was still recording this whole time. Wow. Um, does he have a posthumous album? He does. What the heck? His final album, oh, well. yeah. Blacklisted, was released November 7th, 2022, last year. Just a mere recently, few months ago. Two days after his death. Mm-hmm. I think I smell scandal. Oh. Or conspiracy? Scandal. What's the, is it scandal? So. Wow. I didn't even know Aaron Carter was still a thing. Uh, let's see also here. Also a person. He began performing at the age of seven after the formation of his brother Nick's group, the Backstreet Boys. He was Nick Carter's brother. That's why he got popular. Oh, right. He released his self-titled album in 97, so definitely before Bieber. Um, and his second album, Aaron's Party, Come Get It. Sold three million copies in the United States, and he began making guest appearances on Nickelodeon and touring with the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see here. So, well, I like it. Oh. Oh. On November fifth, twenty twenty-two, Carter died at his home in Lancaster, California, at age thirty-four. His body was found in a bathtub by a housekeeper. Jeez. An autopsy was performed, but the cause of death was deferred pending a toxicology report. I think you're right on foul play. I smell Suspicion. foul play. Yeah, so did the housekeeper. Hey! So Nice. Um, well, good. That's so funny that Aaron Carter came up. It's, it's, it's not. It's not that funny. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, do you know what is funny? What's that? Why shouldn't you tell secrets in a cornfield? Because there's so many ears? Yes! I did, hate you. Did one of your kids tell you that? No. Oh. Should they have? Probably. Did you just look up jokes? What's going on No, over I didn't there? look up jokes. <laughs> I don't look up jokes. Where did that come from? It came from a joke that I had. <laughs> it was a joke. I know how to I know how to break this Carter tension. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things your kids do, kids say the darndest thing. They do. So, kids, just one thing. Just kids. Just one darn the, thing. One thing. Uh, on my way over here, uh, my kid, Emma, ah. said, oh, what are you guys talking about tonight? And I said, posthumous, rele- posthumous releases. And she goes, what's that? Yeah. And I said, ah, it's when somebody dies, but like an album comes out after the fact. And she goes, she said, oh, do you have the cranberries on your list? And I said, I don't think I do. And it was very weird to me that my daughter's getting old enough, it's basically what I'm saying, to be like, not only do I understand what you're talking about, but I happen to know of one. Yeah. Because I I guess she listens on Pandora and stuff, and you read like the little bios of the artists. And she's like, she's artsy, isn't she? Oh yeah, she's way artsy. Um, but yeah, their final album, In the End, released in 2019, one year after the death of lead singer Dolores... Cranberry. Oh, I'm going to say this wrong, and I'm mad... She won't mind. Or O'Riordan, but it's not. It's I'm pretty sure it's one of those Irish names that I'm not saying right. Oh, Smith. 
Yes. Yeah. Dolores Smith. <laughs> the good old Irish lady. Yes. From yes. the Cranberries. Wow, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yep. I feel like a lot of the posthumous records, maybe not a lot, but a lot of them, hmm, contradictory, have like morbid names. In the end, life after death. DMX's was Exodus. Exodus. Um, oh. Yeah. Aaron Carter, blacklisted. Yeah, like he was blacklisted from life, I guess, right? <laughs> what do sprinters eat before they race? <laughs> A big plate of fettuccine Alfredo. Nothing. They fast. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to speed run a couple of these. Oh, good. Um, like a sprinter. T- TLC's studio album 3D oh, yeah. was released seven months after Lisa Lope's death. Sure. Um, I talked about Avenged Sevenfold. You talked about Lioness. A Tribe Called Quest's We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service, was released November 11th, 2016, eight months after Fife Dog died of diabetes. And this was actually kind of sad. Oh. Uh, one, it's probably one of their better albums but I think the least, not the most popular of their albums, if that makes sense. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. But there was a documentary that came out a while back just kind of about hip-hop, and they were talking about Fife Dog. Um, and basically, it was, it's unconfirmed if he had type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Uh, Malik Taylor, that's his name. But somebody in the documentary was talking about like like sugar was to fife dog as like heroin was to an addict like he knew it was a problem even after diabetes like but he just couldn't put it down he just yeah. kept and they were like oh. it was really kind of sad it was like like it's an addiction yeah sugar is absolutely addictive oh uh, no absolutely doubt. yeah of course um but it, i guess they were recording the album in q-tip uh, in his home studio in California and Fife Dog was like flying back and forth from New York to California like three days a week for dialysis. Oh like gosh. just crazy. Yeah. That is sad. That one was sad. Um, and now then... These are all sad. They're all sad. Okay. They're all sad. Um, and I think the last one that I'll cover... I'm sorry, I have two more. This one will be quick. Chris Cornell's self-titled album came out November 16, 2018, a year and a half after his death. I think I really like Chris Cornell. Mm -hmm. And he's one of those ones where, like, such a distinctive voice. And this is something I I think, uh, I hit myself with the microphone. Um, A potential future topic, but I, I remember hearing somewhere that music goes in waves of popularity between featuring vocalists and featuring instrumentals. And so in the, you go through like the Motown era and everything. Uh, you talked about Aretha Franklin earlier. Like a lot of that was very, uh, vocalist heavy. And then you kind of come through, um, like the fifties and sixties and stuff. And it's a little bit more music heavy. Yeah. And then it kind of goes in these waves. And so like the early nineties was more music heavy because if you liked 
grunge, you liked grunge. Sure. Right. And Cobain's vocals, while distinct, like that's not what made Nirvana. Right. Agreed. You know? Yep. Soundgarden, yep. I think, was one of the few um, differences there where Cornell's vocals were so unique. Um, but then in the late 90s, early 2000s, it became very vocal focused again with like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And then it kind of goes, the 2010s became more music focused and that's why you have <sighs> like Nickel, Kate was just listening to like a 2010s rock playlist. Every song sounds the same. Hinder, Nickelback, Creed, like all these bands that sound exactly the same. Wow. But it's more kind of a music focus. Yeah. And then right now, I think we're in a little bit of a vocalist focus I again. Agree with that. Um, wow, that's nuts. I, I never like... Somebody have... explained it much better than I did. I'm, no, I think you explained it great. I'm piecing it together. Oh, there's your wife. There she is. Yeah. Um, and uh, Why is that funny? My wife. I'm just kidding. Your wife. <laughs> like, that's all. <laughs> because I'm a child. Yeah. Um, so... Chris Cornell, it's really interesting if you think about it, there's no reason that Audio Slave should have been successful, let alone really, really good. Because I think historically, if you have a really distinct vocalist, there's not many cases that I know of where somebody leaves one band and joins another and it's just, just as good, as if not more yeah. successful. And then especially with something like Rage Against the Machine, which was pretty much the band for uh, Audio Slave, more or less, where you have Tom Morello in that very distinct kind of rage style. And so you bring together like a... I think the only way it would have worked is how it worked with mm. somebody with, with distinct enough vocals like yeah. Cornell and distinct enough sound because otherwise you're just kind of forming this like super group. Yeah, it's an interesting... It's interesting when those two things kind of align. They have to... Like you couldn't have Chris Cornell front a crappy band no and you couldn't have rage have just some like whatever singer, singer right no you know? definitely not um that's a good point yeah but audio slave I, I might like audio slave more than both cell garden and rage against the machine wow i don't I know might about, not like yeah any of them. what's that what what'd you say i said i might not like any of them really you don't that's i don't your, mind any of you're them. not their jam that's not my, that's not not my type jam. of music but i don't mind it and then it the final matter. the final thing i'll talk oh. about is Run DMC, their, one of their last albums came out in, sorry, I had this right here, ba, ba, ba. so it was a live album, live at Montreux 2001, oh. um, was released in 2007, four and a half years after Jam Master J, their DJ, was murdered in 2002, my wife, she was not my wife at the time. My girlfriend got us tickets to go see a concert together. And it was Aerosmith was the headliner. So we grew up around Boston, early 2000s. Aerosmith, pretty big deal. All right, good times. Kid Rock was one of the features at the height of Kid Rock, I guess. He was fine, whatever. But Run DMC was also on the ticket. And I, I really like Run DMC. Yeah. And so the show was great. 
um i was like one of the very few people in that audience that was like excited to see run dmc yeah, i imagine to be just, true yeah, just a bunch next, of new england yeah. a new england honkies like when's aerosmith coming yeah. out i don't know why they're southern huh, yeah <laughs> i don't think that's right but okay i'll go with it i can dig it where's joe perry um but then at the end they came out and they all kind of did walk this way together that was fun walk this way. but another hey justin was a part of history i love when you're a part of history a loosely history-based individual that was run dmc's final tour before jam master jay was murdered dude you've like so i saw them the last time i could have seen them that's whack <laughs> to go with 90s hip-hop slang <laughs> that's what i'm saying dude that's whack. i'm trying to pull it out yeah <laughs> that is not early 90s hip hop no, slang. Not slang at all. I'm trying to pull. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, trying to <laughs> try to be respectful. I'm trying to trying to respect the 90s with all my hip hop slang. So there you have it. That's awesome. It was awesome. You've been a part of a few things in history. Yeah, I have. Arguably everything you've done is history. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, but you too. They were okay. I'm not. A I'm huge not fan a YouTube fan. Not a huge fan of YouTube. No. But do you remember when everybody got mad because Apple just put their songs on everybody's phones? No. Oh, we need to find out when that happened. That's another today in music history fact. Okay. Yeah. We have lots to talk about. We do. In the future of our backbeats and breakdowns. And <laughs> our rekindled podcast. Yeah. Um. What did the triangle say to the circle? Uh. Do. You, if it was the other way around, I'd, I would think it'd be you're so edgy. But I'm you're don't know. pointless. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you did look these up. Of course I did. What the fuck? You got any more? I got. I got. Uh... So no. A hundred. Oh. Um. <laughs> what kind of car does an egg drive? Ooh. I'd, I'd, I don't know. A Yolkswagen. Dang. When does a duck wake up? At the quack of dawn. You nailed it. Yes. What does a baby computer call his father? A, a, a bite. Data. Dang. This is like trivia for someone like me who's full of lame jokes. <laughs> this is like trivia for me. It's not even jokes. No. It's like, hey, do you know this one? Yeah, do you know this one? <laughs> Here's a question for you. What do you get from a pampered cow? Condensed milk. Spoiled milk. Ah, uh, oh, that's pretty good. Do you know what you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. You know what you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. Oh. Do you know what you call a deer with no eyes? No, Man, no idea. Do you know what you call a deer with no legs and no eyes? That's all right. Still no idea. What did 50 Cent do when he was hungry? I don't know. 58. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I really like that one. That, that was one. good. <laughs> and I'll save some more for another time. Oh my goodness. It just becomes like we rebrand as a comedy podcast, but it's just these. Oh, uh, I love it. That was good ish. I know that's what I said. All the dangerous, ain't too many can bang with us. Straight up, we no angel dust. Label us notorious.